We've been talking a lot on this podcast about the greatest football player of all time, Lionel Messi, and his epic stateside move. Now you can join Messi as he embarks on his historic next chapter with Apple TV Plus's new documentary series called Messi Meets America. Follow along Messi's journey as he takes North America and Major League Soccer by storm, ushering in a new era with his new inner Miami teammates. The series is streaming now, right now, right this second, only on Apple TV Plus, and more episodes are coming November 1st. Welcome back, everybody. Another episode of Offside with me, Taylor Twelman. Before we get started, I want to send a congratulations to one Michael Bradley, one of the greats of this league and of this country, who announced his retirement this week. He played nearly 250 MLS League appearances in Toronto. And for the U.S. men's national team, we were once teammates very early in his career. 151 appearances, 23 goals, and two World Cups. But my favorite part about Michael Bradley, he loved playing. He wanted to compete. He always wanted one more game. He was always on the field a little bit more. He was always trying to get better, but more so always wanted to beat your brains in no matter what the game was. Michael, congrats on a great career, but I also know this will not be the last. We hear of you, but back to business. It's the final week of the MLS regular season, and I cannot believe it. Time is flying by, but I'm not talking about the season. I'm talking about my life, and it doesn't help that teams keep giving guys a third of my age debuts. For those of you guys that missed it, I'm talking about Real Salt Lake handing a debut to Axel Kai last weekend against the LA Galaxy. 15-year-old Real Salt Lake homegrown player getting instructions from, from Salt Lake assistant coach Matty Taylor right now. 15 years, 289 days old. This is only a few weeks after Julian Hall came on for the New York Red Bulls age 15, 190 days. It'll be Julian Hall, the New York Red Bulls, the 15-year-old. What do we have in common, all three of us? 15 years ago, yours truly got punched in the face and his career ended. So I gave you Axel and Julian in some weird, odd way. They weren't even born yet? Oh, God. It makes me want to puke. Today, we've got a great show for you. Little off the cuff, listener mailbag for you, which means producer Peter is back. Not by choice, but Apple forces me to use him. We're also going to run through my picks for this season's MLS end of the year awards. And to close out, we're going to preview a little bit about our youth, the MLS Next Pro playoffs, which culminate this weekend. Columbus Crew 2 hosting Austin FC 2, 5 o'clock Eastern, Sunday on MLS Season Pass. And to preview that game, we'll be joined by Ollie Curtis, Senior VP of MLS Next Pro, to talk about why we're seeing more Axel Kai's and Julian Hall's and why it's better that we're not seeing more Taylor Twelmans. But first, season awards and listener mail. Peter Moses, you're back. I've got an idea. I'm going to give my take on the big MLS awards and the debate that there is to be had. You're going to give me a mailbag question from our fans, from our listeners, from your colleagues, because let's be honest, you're more of a fan than a producer. How you doing, buddy? Good, man. Excited to do whatever you ask me to do on this show. This is supposed to be a family show, Peter. All right, let's get to the questions. Family show. Cool. How about I start with the young MLS player of the year? Let's go. Perfect. Game on. Here we go. 
MLS Young Player of the Year, 22 years or younger during the calendar year, is eligible. And some of these names, wow. Noel Buck, Diego Luna, so many great homegrown names on this list that talks about the growth and evolution of this league. And as I pontificate, the answer is Tiago Amado. It's Wiley, it's Silva, he can get another one. He's past Chihuahua, or two on the line, it's turned in anyway. Almada, two in two minutes. And Almada taking Atlanta all the way to the postseason potentially tonight. I mean, who are we kidding? One, he won a World Cup, but it's not about that. It's more so he's second in Major League Soccer this year to ultimately who's going to be an MVP finalist in Lucha Acosta in goal contributions. Tiago Amada is everything that Atlanta United wants. He's everything they need. And you can make an argument. He's one of the top five best players in this league. And he's 22 or younger. Tiago Amada, there it is, Peter. What's the question of the day? All right, we got our first voicemail. Let's uh, let's get into it. What's going on, Taylor? Uh, Tom from New Jersey, first time, long time. Yeah, what's your biggest storyline going into decision day? Awesome. Biggest storyline going into Decision Day. Glad we could sneak Tom onto the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. It's great. Tom's been a huge listener of the program and just been a real fan of it, even though it sounded like he was calling from a uh, helicopter. The fact that, and this is eerily similar to Major League Baseball, where five of the top seven highest payrolls did not make the playoffs, it is remarkable that the Decision Day that we're looking at, no Toronto, no Galaxy, no Austin. It is unbelievable that we're having that conversation. It speaks to the parody of Major League Soccer, but it also speaks to the offseason that's going to be filled with a bunch of storylines on how to rectify those three franchises. I think for me, it's the fact that Charlotte could play in front of 60,000 people against Miami and potentially Messi in front of their home crowd. And if they get three points, they are somehow going to find a way to sneak into the playoffs. I get the Portland story. I get a little bit of the San Jose story. But FC Dallas, during the international break, they could have easily been in the playoffs against the second-worst team in the league in Colorado, and they get a point? Uh, That's not steering the ship for me. For me, it's going to be Charlotte at home against Inter-Miami and potentially Lionel Messi. Nice that they have a big crowd for a game that has stakes for the right reason, which is kind of fun, even though people are there to see Messi. Like, what a better way to kind of amp yourself up for 60,000 folks for a chance to get into the playoffs. And I think if you ask 59,989 of them, they're going to enjoy winning at home against Inter-Miami, who will eventually not make the playoffs. I want to go to back to the MLS Awards. Coach of the Year, this is the one I could honestly do 45 minutes on. Now, Peter, you and I have done a very good job, I think, along with our colleagues of this podcast, of talking to Pat Noonan, who we had, Will for Nancy. We got Bradley Carnell coming up. There are so many interesting candidates, but it comes down to two, Bradley Carnell, Pat Noonan. Now, Pat Noonan, Chris Albright, go to FC Cincinnati. They take over a franchise that finished last three straight years, the Wooden Spoon They make the playoffs in the first year. In the second year, they win the Supporter Shield. They win the Supporter Shield by having a top three defense. They've scored a ton of goals, but they've won games differently than they did last year. Pat Noonan, 
unequivocally has every argument to win MLS Coach of the Year. And yet, I feel like this is going to be Bradley Cardinal's award to lose. We've given ourselves so much shit over the last two, three weeks, man. We have to enjoy these moments when we commit, believe, and play with confidence. The next four or five weeks, boys, you know what's coming here, huh? All right? We have to become a fortress. This is our place. This is our home. This is our performance. Complete from A to Z. Enjoy. Tomorrow is off. When about 25 of 26 MLS analysts, colleagues, writers, media predict you to finish 13th or 14th in the West and you win the West, I think this year, what Bradley Cardinal and St. Louis City have done, I think it's a little bit greater than what the Supporter Shield and Pat Noonan and FC Cincinnati did. Peter, do you think I get a Christmas card from Pat Noonan and his lovely wife, Elvira, at the end of the year? You know, the way he talked to you last week on the show, I don't know if you're going to get one of those anyways, but uh, (laughs) who knows? Maybe you could be, you know, he could surprise you. So I have a question for you, Taylor. Is there actually a wooden spoon? I would love to know. I've asked this question. I've ne- It's never been answered. I would perfectly supply the wooden spoon, have it engraved the right way, and start sending it to the supporters. I think we need to I'll have do it. you one better. When the Browns went 0-16, their coach said if they went winless, he would jump <laughs> in the lake. And he did. And you know what? It was, like, super fun. They raised money. I think if offside's contribution to the league could be a physical wooden spoon, then we've done our work here. It would be amazing. By the way, the Browns fans wanted the coach not to get back out of the lake, though. You know that, oh, right? I'm, that was the whole I, point yeah, of that. We could have a whole other podcast about <laughs> my feeling about the Cleveland Browns coaches. All right, well, instead, here's Smell. Let's let's check it out. Hey, Taylor. Greg Cullen from Washington, D.C. Is the departure of Kai Wagner and Alejandro Bedoya making the postseason run for the Philadelphia Union arguably the most important since their inception? Or is the departure of them something that could lead to something much better? Love to hear you talk about this. Thanks. Bye. Yep. First off, great question. Uh, Secondly, Greg brings up a very interesting point that going into the playoffs, the Philadelphia Union have made it known that two staples of their team, Alejandro Bedoya, will not be brought back, and Kai Wagner is going to end up becoming an MLS free agent. Now, that is a little bit more complicated, I think, than Ali Bedoya. Bedoya is what it's thir- father time's coming, 36-37. Can he contribute still? I think he can. Or is it Ernst Tanner and the Philadelphia Union trying to motivate the group a little bit and give them something extra to play for? That'd be an interesting question for Ernst Tanner. Does it make the postseason their most important yet? No, not because of Bedoya or Kai Wagner. It just makes it important because in every big game under Jim Curtin, they haven't gotten over the hump. Last year's MLS Cup is going to be the hardest pill to swallow. And so how do you redeem yourself? I still think Philadelphia is the team to beat the East. I get what FC Cincinnati's done. I get how attractive Columbus play. But Philadelphia is the known quantity. They know how to get there. They've been there before. They're motivated to get back to that point. And so I find it very interesting how the Philadelphia Union have always punched above their weight since Ernst Tanner's gotten there. 
I think it's a mistake to get rid of Kai Wagner. I think it's a massive one. A left back for the number that he wants, that's going to be extremely difficult to replace. So I find the postseason to be interesting. But most important yet, it's not because they're losing those two. It's because they haven't gotten over the hump in any big game under Jim Curtin. Feels like something where narratives for us watching like that are sometimes more convenient than the fact that they just like lost a heartbreaking final last year. Like no matter what, that's definitely got to motivate them way more. Agreed. Than playing for Bedoya or something like which they could. But I think like losing on PKs is probably a little bit more motivating than anything else about like who's going to be on the team next year. And Peter, also the way they lost in the League's Cup semifinal at home to Messi in Miami, that plants the seed in the back of their mind. The big games come. Do we have the propensity to advance, to win these big games? I think that's why the postseason is always going to be massive, no matter who's on the field, because of that. I want to move on to the MLS newcomer Speaking of the of, year. Go ahead. Uh, who could you possibly have for MLS Newcomer of the Year, Taylor? It is not the giant pink Argentine elephant in the room, which, by the way, I get it. Why Messi was up for two awards. I understand it. But it is based on Major League Soccer play, correct? Yes. That can't be Lionel Messi. I get it. What he did is fantastic, but they didn't make the playoffs. I think the three... Actually, I'm going to say, I'm going to rephrase that. I think it's only two players. I think it should have been three. And here's why it's only two. Because St. Louis City did not put Roman Berkey on the list. Now, you explain that to me. I'm going to get to goalkeeper of the year. But Roman Berkey was a newcomer, and he should be the goalkeeper of the year. If Roman Berkey's on this list, it's unequivocally Roman Berkey. But St. Louis City chose to pick their other one, which, by the way, I get it, Edwin Leuven. Now, in my opinion, Edwin Leuven and Roman Berkey should have been on the list. But because Roman Berkey's not on the list, I think this is going to go to Yorgos Yakumakis. Almada Yakumakis! Goal! 13 and counting for Atlanta United center forwards. Of course he was going to have his say. And the reason why is you and I and everyone else is not talking about Atlanta United being in the playoffs or more importantly, having qualified for the playoffs before the decision day if Yakomakis is not on the field. He's unequivocally given them some bite into the final third. He's given them a goal score. I think he wins the golden boot if he's not injured. I just think the impact that Yakomakis had after losing Joseph Martinez to enter Miami my pick for Newcomer of the Year more than likely is going to go to Yako Makis for the 2023 MLS regular season. Let's get to a couple emails. Uh, Shamsi is a Rapids fan. Matt, a Red Bulls fan. Both are worried about the direction of their teams. Shamsi wants to know where the change begins at the Rapid. And Matt wants to know if the Red Bulls need an update to their system philosophy to really compete again. What do you think about those two teams heading into the offseason? Uh, first off, my apologies to Shamsi and Matt. Just my apologies. My my apologies. It's got to be extremely frustrating at times. Uh, listen, I, I have a history against the New York Red Bulls. I love playing against the New York Red Bulls. Back then it was the Metro Stars. Now it's the New York Red Bulls. I loved it. I loved everything about their fan base. I love everything about their animosity. I love everything about a New York sports fan. But it's got to be frustrating for Matt. The way the Red Bull system works, if you add three or four 
designated players slash high TAM signings to that roster, are we even talking about them not even being the playoffs? And the answer more than likely is no. They utilize their academy arguably better than anyone. Red Bull 2's fantastic of instilling the system of how they want to play. But at the highest of levels, you've got to have a Bowanga. You've got to have a Carlos Vela. You've got to have a Joseph Martinez that was at Atlanta. Imagine the New York Red Bulls in that sports scene having those players. And until they get that, Matt, the Red Bulls fan, is always going to be asking me the same question. That's the only answer I have for you. If you add three legitimate designated players to that team, to that roster, are Peter, Taylor, and everyone else having a different conversation? The answer is yes. For Shamsie in Colorado, this is a difficult one because you move on from Robin Frazier. The then press conference that follows that, it's pointing the fingers in a lot of different ways. And for the fans that have been huge part of what Colorado is and what they want to be, they're asking for transparency. From top to bottom, you got to have transparency. And I think the the Rapids fan would tell you, Kronike has got to be more involved. They've got to be more open about their involvement, and they've got to be more aggressive in pushing the Colorado Rapids into the forefront of the conversation. I think there are multiple ways to do that. I don't think that's an overnight fix, but I think this offseason is the most important in the Colorado Rapids history because if they don't get this offseason right with coaches, with the direction of the club, with understanding where they want to be and competing in the West – then, Peter, I think they're not going to be a topic of conversation for long because I think people are going to really, really be done with that conversation. You got to be at least optimistic about the ownership group there, though, having the ability to turn it around with the other teams that they have in their portfolio. Oh, my goodness. It's yeah. the flip of the switch. Peter, it's a flip of the switch. It's 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 actually they're very similar. Red Bull Global is very similar. If you put New York, the Red Bulls in Colorado together, It is a very quick fix if you've got the scouting system of Arsenal in Colorado, the scouting system of Red Bull Global, and culminate that with spending money the right way. I'm not saying just give someone $15 to come here and play and you haven't really done your homework on them. But if you do it, it's not as if MLS hasn't shown the ability. If you do it right, you can flip it very quickly. Pat Noon and Chris Albright just proved that theory to you right in front of your own eyes. All right, next award you're going to tell everyone about is Defender of the Year. Yeah, this one's a difficult one. This one's a hard one for me. And the reason why is I think there are a lot of players that deserve to be in this conversation. I think Robin Janssen with Orlando City, amazing that here we are taping this podcast before Decision Day and Orlando's second in the Supporter Shield race. So if for some reason Cincinnati stumbles and Orlando City gets to MLS Cup. They are hosting MLS Cup. I think Raman Janssen's been fantastic. I think he's been an unsung hero. Oftentimes, center backs don't get the notoriety that they should. I think Carlos next to him has been so up and down, in and out of the lineup. I've said this four years ago, when Janssen and Carlos are healthy and playing at a high level, you can make an argument they're the best center back tandem in this league but Carlos is injured too much. Janssen deserves to be in the conversation. Matt Miazga, 56-some-odd goals given up last year to make the playoffs. More goals than any team. This year, top three defense in the league. Murphy's playing better. Haglin's playing better. A young player, Mascara, looks like the real deal. Who's the staple? Who's the constant? Matt Miazga. 
Yet when you take Walker Zimmerman out of Nashville's lineup, Peter, they're a completely different team. The last game they played against the New England Revolution, they're up 3-0 at halftime. Zimmerman comes out. New England should have tied that game 3-3. The final score was 3-2. Hani Mukhtar may be the reigning MVP. He may be the real go-getter in that team. They are nothing without Walker Zimmerman. And so I'm torn between giving it to Matt Miazga or Walker Zimmerman. I'm going to give it to Matt Miazga. Brenner, it deflects off. Miazga, right-footed shot. It finds the back of the net. Matt Miazga puts Cincinnati back on top. All right. uh, We got a question from Twitter from our soccer Discord. In your opinion, Taylor, what was the best regular season MLS game this year? Wednesday night, Atlanta United, New England Revolution, 3-3 final score. Unbelievable game. Unbelievable. Atlanta was so good, and yet they were down, and they were losing. And then Carlos Hill and the New England Revolution were down and losing, and he scores a goal with his right foot. Listen, we're not including Lee's Cup because the Twitter question came about the MLS regular season being in Mercedes-Benz on a Wednesday night with a real vibe in a midweek game, 3-3 final score. That was the game of the year for me. All right, give us your All-State Goalkeeper of the Year that you teased a little bit. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's Roman Berkey. I get it. Andre Blake is in the hunt for his fourth win in this category, which is remarkable. I think Jordi Petrovic would have been a lock if not for leaving the league, but I find this very interesting because... Petrovic last year only played 2,000 minutes, okay? Blake last year played nearly 3,000 minutes. And yet Petrovic got a ton of votes in that category. So just because he left earlier in the year, but still the amount of minutes, I do find it interesting that Petrovic isn't in this conversation when I do believe he should be. If he was, I think there's one hell of a debate. But the three best goalkeepers in this league are unequivocally Andre Blake, Jordi Petrovic, and Roman Berkey. Because of Petrovic leaving, because of Andre Blake in Philadelphia not being as good as they were a year ago and even in previous years, this is Roman Berkey's. The back post and Berkey snatches that one out of the air. With great confidence, remember he's inching his way now towards a seventh clean sheet of the season. I think it's going to be unanimous. I would be stunned if it's not. But if you take Roman Berkey out of goal and you replace him with the mean of all the analytics of the MLS goalkeepers, Peter, I'm not sure St. Louis City has a home playoff game. I don't think they're in the top four of the West. That's how valuable Roman Berkey has been. And I think unanimously he'll win MLS goalkeeper of the year. All right. Another email. This one from Dario. What was your biggest prediction that you got wrong yeah. for the 23 season and which was your the biggest prediction you got right for this season Austin FC I got that wrong badly I figured they'd finish in the top two in the Western Conference I finished Driussi would follow up what could have been MLS MVP last year to winning the MLS MVP this year I got that wrong and I got St. Louis City wrong I figured St. Louis City would be 10th or 11th I didn't think they make the playoffs, but I felt like the system and the way they go about it with Bradley Carnell, I just felt like they would outkick their coverage a little bit, but not first place in the Western Conference. So it's either Austin FC or St. Louis City. The best prediction I got is that 
Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo would be in Major League Soccer in 2023. And I was asked that in January in New York City. And I was asked that because the timing of Apple and Major League Soccer coming together, the World Cup coming here in 26, Copa America coming here in 2024, just all of that coming together in the rumblings I had heard at ESPN in the end of 21 and early in 22, Peter, you just felt like one of them, if not both of them, wanted to come and were going to come to Major League Soccer. I'm not saying I predicted it. I just felt like something monumental was going to happen. And I think it came to fruition with David Beckham, Jorge Mas, putting in the real hard work that they did with Lionel Messi and his father. I'm going to do one more question before we get to MVP. Yeah. Um, this one's from Rob from on Twitter who asks, are the MLS playoffs without Messi um, a disappointment? And I will say, personally, because you asked me, Rob, I thought Messi was like a really perfect amuse-bouche for this year. It was the perfect appetizer, and you have said, Taylor, for as long as we've known each other, mm -hmm. you're not going to judge anything until 2024. And maybe I'm just drinking the Kool-Aid now, but of all the things we're talking about with the end of the year, storylines, Atlanta, Orlando, teams you're you know not often thinking about, I think these playoffs are going to be fucking nuts. There's like only one team can win, and you feels like there is kind of an NFL vibe to it where there's probably, I feel like, seven or eight teams that you could make a really good argument for. So I know that wasn't directed to me, but curious how you feel about kind of the messy experience and kind of getting some time off from it in the playoffs. Ditto. Ditto. I, I've said it and always will say 2024 is when I will judge Miami, Tata Martino, Chris Henderson, Jorge Mas, and Lionel Messi. 2023 was just the whipped cream on top. The fact that MLS playoffs this year without Messi is not a loss is because he came and introduced himself into a World Cup-style tournament with League's Cup, and they won that tournament. And we're in a final. And I'm not saying it. Exactly. It, P Peter, it's not as if not being in the playoffs, it, it, it's it, redundant's the wrong word, but it would have been a little redundant with Inter-Miami being as bad as they were in the first 22 games of the season to get into the playoffs. Now, I find it ironic that Pat Noonan and FC Cincinnati wanted to avoid Inter-Miami Lionel Messi, and they're the ones that ultimately knocked them out. But I don't think the MLS Cup playoffs this year is a loss because without them, I think we get a justified MLS Cup playoff. For lack of a better way to put it, there are six teams right now that I could spend 10 minutes on that I could tell you would win. I could do an hour podcast on who would win MLS Cup. Why don't you just name them right now? St. Louis City, LAFC, Seattle Sounders, FC Cincinnati, Philadelphia Union, and then I'm going to say Columbus and Orlando, half one is the third. So there's a three in each. The I, crazy I just, thing is you mentioned, you didn't mention a couple teams that have potential MVP candidates on them, New England and Nashville, who are, you know, on this podcast, you've made a stake that both of them could be serious contenders as well. So it really feels like it's pretty wide open, especially in the East. Um, let's go to your last prediction. If you would ask me during League's Cup, if Hani Mukhtar can win MVP, I would have said yes. If you would ask me during League's Cup, is Nashville a front runner to win MLS Cup? I would have said yes. Do I think they can win MLS Cup? 
I'm not totally sure they're the front runner because they've kind of hit a wall since that League's Cup run. In saying that, Lucha Acosta's the MVP. Lucha Acosta, edge of the D, Acosta gets it back! Oh, what a goal! The MLS MVP candidate, Lucho Acosta, with a perler here at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Now, I've made a real argument. I think there needs to be an argument that Roman Berkey is the most valuable player, at least in the top three of that conversation. However, many of you have told me that you can't have a goalkeeper of the year win an MLS MVP because it's two separate awards and it's almost two different positions. I, I get it that you compared it to the Cy Young winner versus the MVP. I, I Sure, fine. Okay, I can buy that argument. But the most valuable player for St. Louis City is Roman Berkey. We are not having this conversation about Pat Noon and Chris Albright in FC Cincinnati winning the Supporter Shield if Lucha Costa is not on the field. Everything they do is around their 10, an old-fashioned 10, operating at a high level, being the catalyst for everything going forward, but also being bought in, being a leader, being the captain, being somewhat of a presence on the defensive side of things. Lucha Costa will win MVP, but I'm more interested in who the other two finalists are going to be because that's going to tell me who the technical staffs, the MLS media, and the players feel like were valuable to their teams. But I think Lucha Costa wins that one. Uh, one final email in our mailbox came from Amy, whose sons are in MLS Next Pro system at New England FC. She wanted to know what areas of the country are further along in youth development. Amy, great segue. Perfect timing. We've got the answer for you in our last segment with MLS Next Pro Senior VP, Ollie Curtis. Lay it off for the captain. The return ball is Ryan! Columbus is going back to the MLS Next Pro Cup. There will be a trophy given out this weekend. I'm not lying. A big one. But not the one that many of us expected that followed the MLS Next Pro season very closely. Austin FC will face off against the Columbus crew. It's amazing to think about in their inaugural season in the league. Austin FC 2 pulled off a huge upset. They beat a very strong Colorado Rapids 2 squad in the semifinal. Now, why was it a big upset, you ask? The Rapids were the league's best team this year. They picked up the most points, they scored the most goals, and they were home to the league's top scorer and topped assist maker. Safe to say, few, if any of us, thought Austin FC had a chance. But that's what happens when you get a goalkeeper like Damian Loss who stands on his head. He stands on his head, and he takes Colorado to penalties, and they win. And guess what you get for your hard work? You got to go to the reigning champs, Columbus Crew 2. Remember, last year, Crew 2 took down St. Louis City 2 in the final, and in this year's semifinal, Crew 2 defeated the New England Revolution in a tight 1-0 game. It was actually birthday boy, Gibran Rayo, that scored the game winner in the first minute of stoppage time to send the Columbus crew to their second straight final. Now, the final will take place this Sunday. And to help us talk through this, the man who knows all things MLS Next Pro, Mr. Ollie Curtis. Two years into the MLS Next Pro action, I was there for the opener in St. Louis. 
let's just kick it off right there. How has the league grown in the last two years? And more importantly, how much fun have you had? Fun is um, is an understatement. <laughs> it's been it's been it's been awesome. It's been really incredible to uh, just be part of this this initiative. Um, you know, you never I never thought that I would be able to kind of have an impact uh, in this way. It started off great in St. Louis, and you know what a club that they have, and what a year that we had in our inaugural year. We've grown a lot. We've learned a lot as well. It hasn't been perfect, but it's been really really good. You know, just in terms of all the different successes, the wins that we've had in terms of some of our new rules, our new playoff format, new coaches, players. I mean, the the list goes on in terms of the impact that the league is having, what I would say, on on the environment, you know. And so uh, excited about where we are right now, excited about where we're headed and the growth of the league and all the different ways that we're able to have impact. Well, let's stay there. So give me the one thing that you're most proud of in the two years uh, of uh, MLS Next Pro. That's a hard. It's a hard thing to, to 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 just narrow things down to one. You know, I always say, you know, when there's a problem, it's usually not one thing. It's like five, six, seven different things. And then when there's a solution or there's a win, it's usually five, six, seven different things. You know, we've had incredible support since we launched the league in terms of the resources that we need to kind of get the job mm-hmm. done. We've had a great staff in terms of everyone kind of buying in. And it's been a new thing, not just at from a league office perspective, but also at our clubs, you know, in terms of, you know, a lot of the different MLS clubs, there's new staff, there's new players. So everyone's been kind of getting used to everything. There's a new CBA in place that allows players that are on the MLS Next Pro teams to be called up from a short-term perspective. That's had an incredible impact. You know, when you think about the Miamis and the Ben Kramashis of the world and those types of things, um, so, it, you know, there's not like one thing we've, you know, we've had all these mm-hmm. new rules, which we think are really, really impactful, will help change the game, evolve the game. Um, hasn't been one thing. It's been, it's been all good. I remember you and I talking that opening night in St. Louis, and you said one of the objectives of this league is real diversity to reflect this real spectrum of soccer and the players in this country. I think you brought up a great example in Benjamin Kramaski from Inter-Miami being one of those. Just talk to me a little bit how the league is pursuing more so, I would say, new and different communities, Ali, that maybe the first teams of the MLS clubs that they're not getting, if that makes any sense. You know, diversity, equity, inclusion is uh, is a it's one of the four pillars that we have in MLS Next Pro and everything that we do, our objectives and how we try to execute you know, it kind of funnels into some of those four pillars. And it's not just kind of the diversity that we see with regard to the player pool at all levels, but it's diversity of thought, of approach, whether that's a coach and a different tactics, or maybe that's the way an organization is going to field the team or build the roster. You know, it talks about the, you know, different ownership groups and, and their styles and how they're going to come into play. That's all been been really, really positive. As the league grows, you're going to see um, different teams come into the league, which we're excited about. Some will be, you know, of course we have the MLS affiliated ones, but some will be independent. Uh, and this will be their first teams. They're really proud of them. It's only going to grow and get better. It'll help, you know, from a footprint perspective as well. So there's just a lot of really, really positive uh, developments that are kind of underway. And we're just kind of, it's the tip of the iceberg in terms of what we're going to be able to accomplish so it's it's very exciting. You know, the player pool is one thing, and that has to be diverse, you know, 
in so many different ways, and we still have work to do. Especially on development. I'm glad you brought it up. Oftentimes, all of us are just talking about the player pool, but there's executives, there's coaches, there's so many different ways that the new pathway, and I would say foundation for this sport, it's a lot different than when you and I were coming out of high school. You and I were not that old. But Ali, we are old when it comes to this game, and I could see you smiling and laughing so big because you and I had to play club soccer. We had to then go to college. We then had to hope to get a contract and fight our way through it. I love the way this pathway is now different. If you're good, you're going to find a way to play. Is that the most exciting part for you, being an ex-player? Just put your player hat on of how quickly – Players are now being developed with the ability to play at the first team level a lot quicker than they were in years past. Yeah, uh, you, you you hit it right on the on the nose, Taylor. Uh, what I would say is t- two main things. One is as a player, you want transparency. Mm-hmm. Like, how do I get to the next level? How do I go from A to B to C? You know, all those types of things. And so MLS Next Pro helps. You know, when you have. MLS Next and then MLS Next Pro and then you have MLS and you know you want to just understand what what does it take where, where do I go who do I sign up with how do I try out all those different mm-hmm. things that were a bit opaque when you and I were growing up and we didn't have those those levels we didn't have those layers and we didn't have those opportunities you know you and I were able to make it to the pro level and a lot of it had to do with you know support hard work skill luck all those types of things and now the universe is just so much different in a really profound way. And then now it's really kind of institutionalizing opportunities for people for that love the game, that devote themselves to the game. We've all been in the backyard. We've all juggled the ball, hit it against the wall, all those types of things, because we want to make it and we want. And now you have that opportunity. And so as a young kid, to be able to aspire to, to make it as a pro or in all these different ways, you have that opportunity. It's amazing. And, you know, the types of players that we have today will be different tomorrow because of what we're doing. And that's really, really exciting. I mean, what's exciting is all get out, Ali, is that look at the last couple of weeks in Major League Soccer. You've had two 15-year-olds make their debuts in Major Major League Soccer. Axel Kai, Julian Hall, what, a little bit more than a month ago. I find it interesting because you and I were alive when Freddie Adu made his debut. And yet, it's so different than what that debut, I think, encompassed versus their debuts now. Tell me what the difference is, because I think our listeners are really intrigued that now when Julian Hall makes his debut at 15 years old for the New York Red Bulls, there's a real purpose behind that. You know, if I put my player hat on, sometimes you, you know, when you're a player you and you're thinking about different teams or what teams to play for or all these types of things— you give a call to somebody and you say, what's it like over there? You know, yep. and you're talking about, you know, what's the coach like? What's the environment like? What are the training facilities like? What's the game pitch like? What are your teammates like? What's the locker room like? All those types of things. You're just trying to figure out what, what's the environment like. And back then, you know, it was just we didn't have the stadiums. We didn't have the social media. We didn't have the touch points. We didn't have the resources. You know, we didn't have the training facilities. We didn't have the information from a sports science perspective as it pertains to hydration and how to, you know, really accelerate our growth physically and also just, you know, mentally, just in terms of the tactics of the game and all those different things. We just didn't have the tools. Mm -hmm. Now you have them. Um, And it's 
you know, the last five years have one thing, it's changed. It changes every couple of years, every five years yep. in a really profound way, whether it's Freddie Adu. You know, my, my, I signed, you know, Tyler Adams at 15, you know, yep. and to Red Bull too. Yep. And what an amazing journey he has had. Um, and now the support and the environment, the resources, the opportunities are that much wider. So we're doing everything we can to evolve the game and provide opportunity. Well, it's interesting, too, because on this podcast about a month ago, we had Tim Bezpachenko and we did a profile of the Columbus crew. And he made a real point of talking about how Columbus crew, too, gave him a real ability to see some young players. And then he hires a coach and a manager and Wilfer Nancy that immediately in his interview, he's referencing MLS Next Pro games and certain things he would watch for the profile of players and how they would get to the final. Let's speak to the final. It's this Sunday. Austin pulled off a major upset to get to the final. Columbus hosts Austin. Tell us what you expect this Sunday. Yeah, it's a championship game. So like most championship games, they're, they're a heavyweight fight. You know, I give a lot of credit to, to Austin. You know, they had to play three games all on the road. And so the teams have done really well. They worked hard. You're going to see a great game. You know, we're excited about it. I think the, there's a first team game on decision day, which is on the Saturday. And then the MLS Next Pro Cup is on the Sunday, which uh, for the final. So it'll be an exciting weekend, you know, for everyone. It should be a great day for soccer in Columbus. You know, the new playoff format has been amazing just in terms of the results and all those types of things. Some of the things that you try, you do it with integrity and authenticity because we want to evolve the game. We don't necessarily want to just change it. Um, and some things work and some things don't work, you know. So, uh, but we're excited about uh, this weekend. There's been a lot of hard work go that, that has gone into it. And so should be a great final. Ali, it's amazing to think we're in October of 2023 and yet you and I were across each other in 1998, Duke versus Maryland. If I'm not mistaken, we probably lost that game as a freshman, but neither here nor there. It's awesome to actually be sitting here and to see you evolve, grow, multiple different roles impacting the game. And uh, I respect the hell out of you, my man. I really appreciate it. Likewise, it's, it's amazing when you think about you know, the professional game in, in, in North America, the States and Canada, for us to be having this conversation, to be able to make a living, that type of thing. I think we probably, I think we won that game though, because it was at Maryland, yeah, if I, I remember. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. But, but yep. that's, yep. but that's, but that's, you know, that's the way it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's not the way it is, but that's how un incredible, you know, the game has grown, you know, here. Shut up, Ali, shut um, up. So happy we won that game, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No. I appreciate you, man. Thanks no. for taking the time. Likewise, Taylor. Good seeing you, man. Keep uh, you, you're doing great work. That's all for this week. I appreciate Ollie Curtis taking the time. Busy man, busy time of the year, but giving us real perspective on the growth of MLS Next Pro in the second year. I have to thank Peter. In all seriousness, Peter doesn't listen to the end of the show. He was pretty good. But more importantly, I thank all of you for all of your insight, for all of your questions, the banter, the way you dissect Major League Soccer. It's important keeping me on my toes, but more importantly, into helping Major League Soccer grow. I'm going to tell you right now, the MLS Cup playoffs is going to be insane. The new playoffs, the pressure that is on certain teams to win, to put a bow on a great regular season, it's going to be so good. But who's in the MLS Cup playoffs? That will be determined on Decision Day, Saturday, 
starting at 4.30 Eastern time on MLS Season Pass on Apple TV. Enjoy it, my friends. We'll see you later. Offside with Taylor Twelman is a Major League Soccer podcast produced by Apple TV and Rain Delay Media. Our executive producers are Peter Moses and John Yales. John was our editor. Michael Janot was our engineer. Jonah Buchanan was our associate producer. Iggy Monda and Jonah were our researchers. Music was composed by Brian Decker, and I'm your host, Taylor Twalman. Follow and listen on Apple Podcasts. The man who knows everything about MLS Pro Next, Mr. Ali Curtis. So that last line, yeah, we say MLS Next Pro, and then I say MLS Pro Next. So let me read that to you one more time, John. <laughs> <laughs>